Khan Academy Digital Sessions. Conversations on the legal topics affecting businesses and individuals today. In this episode, we're talking about Web3 or Web 3.0. We'll explore the evolution of the internet, try and cover off a few buzzwords such as blockchain, NFTs and the metaverse, and talk through the key things that a forward-thinking organisation should think about when formulating their Web3 strategy and pursuing valuable and impactful projects. Hello and welcome to this Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions podcast. I'm Sean Rodway, COO of MDRX Tech, the Mishcon Group's technology consultancy. We partner with clients to build strategies and software products that harness the latest technologies whilst taking care of the legals. I lead the development and delivery across our consulting services and I'm dedicated to coaching leaders who want to unlock the power of technology in their businesses. I'm joined by our CEO, Tom Grogan, who has worked with clients globally on their Web3 projects. He chairs the blockchain chapter of Tech London Advocates, has lectured at UCL and Cambridge University, mentored a number of early stage businesses, and is on the board of the Institute of Digital Fashion. In short, we are in safe hands as we try to navigate Web3.0. Lovely to have you, Tom. Welcome to the podcast. I'm going to start with a really simple question. What is Web3? So Web3 has meant a number of things over the last 10 years, but always it returns to this next vision for what the internet might be. The proponents of Web3 most recently have argued that it will be characterized by principles such as decentralization, often underpinned by distributed ledgers such as blockchain, and a token economy, i.e. the ability to transact value whether or not that is a currency or an asset, directly between people. If we briefly contrast it with Web 1 and Web 2, so Web 1 is very much the beginnings of the internet. It's the internet of of reading. The internet used to basically just be a mass catalogue of websites that you could go on and read stuff. Web 2, very much the era of the internet that has seen the explosion of the likes of the social media giants and e-commerce, is the internet of reading and creating. So whether or not that is creating your social media profile or interacting with posts with with likes or if anyone remembers pokes on Facebook, all of these more interactive experiences that have sort of characterized the web two of today. Web three is the next step of that where, as I say, we hope that we'll be able to transact value directly. So it will become the the internet of of read, create and own. And why is now the moment for Web3? Mainly powered by technological developments. So fundamentally, blockchains are a computer science breakthrough. They are quite remarkable. They allow users to send and receive value directly with nothing other than a device, be that a computer or a mobile phone, and an internet connection. That's worth pausing on. Public blockchains in particular, so Bitcoin being the most famous example, unlike every other tool and mechanism for sending value over the internet, enable us to send and receive value without needing to trust any middleman or intermediary. And the absence of that middleman make public blockchains the world's only public infrastructure for transacting digital value. And by public, I mean open to anyone with an internet connection and not owned by any single entity. So we've already heard you talk about blockchain technologies and often people speak about Web3 in the same breath as NFTs and the metaverse. 
So I'm wondering if we can just unpick that relationship. How do NFTs fit into conversations about Web3? So NFT stands for non-fungible token. So in this Web3 reality, where people are able to transact value, value is represented in the form of, of tokens. All an NFT is, is a non-fungible token. Non-fungible meaning it's not readily exchanged for others having the exact same value. So the, the classic example there is, if you, Sean, lend me £10, you are probably relaxed as to whether or not I pay you back with a £10 note, two £5 notes, or 10 £1 coins, because ultimately they are fungible with each other, they are readily exchanged. If you were to lend me a piece of artwork, you probably wouldn't be happy for me to give you back another artwork that I tell you has an equivalent value because you probably attach meaning to that unique asset. So NFTs are important if Web3, as we currently imagine it, is to become a reality because it allows us to not just transact fungible things, i.e. money, but non-fungible things, unique goods, artwork, and others. And what about the metaverse? So the metaverse is really interesting and evokes some very clear imagery when we when we talk about it and we're going to do another session on that soon suffice to say i always encourage people when they think about the metaverse to not think of it as a place it sort of evokes these slightly dystopian depressing views of a ready player one matrix environment that frankly often just looks like a pale imitation of the real thing the metaverse to me and to us here within mdrx tech is more of a movement. It's a movement towards breaking down the walls between the physical and digital. Again, to give an example, today if you want to go and buy a t-shirt, you either go in store or you shop online. All the metaverse is, is a breaking down of those two realities, whether or not that's because your online experience feels more physical or your physical experience feels more digital, that is the metaverse. Metaverse, to be very clear, is absolutely inevitable. It's going to happen. It's already happening. It's going to impact every aspect of our lives. Whether or not it's going to be underpinned by Web3, we still don't know. Many of us hope it does, because having a public infrastructure for value, I think, is invaluable. But it's not a done deal. Um, And we don't know whether or not the Metaverse will be underpinned by Web3 in the future. And that brings into question an interesting point about whether or not we're talking about Web3 in the future tense or the present tense. So when we're talking to clients, often now we're talking about it in the present tense. Is it a mistake if businesses are thinking about Web3 in the future tense only? Yeah, I definitely think it is. There was a a graph doing the rounds a while ago, and it was a graph, so it must have been true, um, (laughs) that tracked the adoption of crypto, which ultimately is, is an underpinning of Web3 with the adoption of the internet. And it showed two things very clearly. It showed, firstly, that the relationship was so close, so tight, so so well aligned, that it was quite startling. The second thing it showed us was that we're in like 1997. I'm not sure if you tried to use the internet in 1997. It was rubbish. It was really quite painful to use. You couldn't really do much in the way of e-commerce. The legal and regulatory frameworks weren't well developed. The user experience was terrible. It was slow. One doesn't mean that if you were a large retailer in 1997, you shouldn't have a website. That was still an important thing to do. And two, the biggest companies in the world today were founded either in 97 or before 97 so that they could hit the ground running when the sort of e-commerce revolution took off. And based on that, how should a business assess 
how urgently they should consider the impact of Web3 on their business. I think responsible businesses should certainly be thinking about it and engaging with it. And, and for for us, it always comes down to the why. If you or, or parts of your business are doing things and you're not sure why, please stop. Please stop doing random things. And if your reason for launching an NFT is to appear innovative, you're like three years too late. So please always return to the why. What are we as an organization today? What would we like to be as an organization in 10 years? And then figure out how, if at all, Web3 forms a part of that. And we'll have another session to talk about the metaverse because I think every business will be impacted by the metaverse. But many businesses will be impacted by Web3 as well. Always return to the why. The other big recommendation we make is to make sure that whatever you do, make sure that it is inching you organizationally further towards that target end state goal. We always use Disney as a bit of a pinup example of of how to do this really, really well. They dipped their toe in the water into Web3, launched their Golden Moments collection, which was a series of relatively simple NFTs that were little gold statuettes of famous Disney characters in iconic moments. And that was interesting and valuable, and some people bought it and some people didn't. But importantly, they used it as an internal organizational learning tool that empowered them to know as an organization what it meant to do Web3. They since have have massively expanded their operations. They refer to the metaverse, and it's the lovely turn of phrase, as the next great frontier of storytelling. That began with their dipping of the toe into Web3. So it's always trying to make sure that organizationally we're inching the readiness forward. And when you're talking about starting with the why, I think it's been something important within MDRX Tech when we've been talking to clients about their business strategies, sort of enterprise level strategies, that Web3 is a way in which they can achieve those as opposed to a bolt-on to their strategy or a spike, something that they think about in addition to their business strategy. Do you think that that is what all businesses should be doing? Yeah, I think you have to return and say, is it is it complementary and symbiotic to your business? If it's not, very, very good case to just not do it. I'm sure there will be exceptions to that that rule, but there are some industries, some businesses that suit blockchain solutions, Web3 solutions natively without having to reinvent their business model. And I always think they're the ones that are probably best suited to succeed. It's fair to say a lot of clients come to us asking for a blockchain solution and do not leave with one. Um, because the first question we always ask is, well, does this need blockchain? Often, the answer is no, it does not, because the same objectives can be achieved using alternative technologies that, frankly, are cheaper to implement, more scalable, and easier and quicker to realize value from. And you talked about Disney's success by sort of dipping their toe in the Web3 water, as it were. How can organizations use experimentation to work out whether or not Web3 is right for them, something that they should be pursuing. So again, starts with the strategy, because if the strategy tells you you need it, uh, then you should be doing it. I think what Disney did very well was also being open to fail, or rather, they defined success quite widely. Every project they launched didn't need to make them hundreds of millions of dollars, but provided it was inching you in the direction of that target end state as an organization, that was a win. Again, to to draw the analogy that I'm always slightly nervous to to draw between having a website. Your website in 1997 didn't have to 
make you loads and loads of money necessarily. Frankly, it probably didn't, but it needed to help you organizationally understand what it meant to have a website, the team you needed to implement it, the sorts of users, customers that might engage with it so that in the future, when you move forward and and progress more aggressively in that space, perhaps you use a different website. Maybe you burn the old one and start again, but the lessons continue um, and the lessons will see you through. And then turning our minds to thinking about compliance and the legalities of pursuing a a Web3 strategy, what are the key concerns that businesses need to be conscious of when pursuing Web3? The first thing is to think about the legals up front. I always say that our large clients, our sort of blue chip FTSE 250 clients tend to come to us second. And believe me, that's something I'm trying to change. But they often come to us because they've done something and it's sort of been okay until the very last minute when all of a sudden their in-house legal team have realized what they're doing and screamed. We talk about compliance by design underpinning everything that we do. And so from, from the sort of ideation stage, the coming up with the concept, formulating the strategy, we make sure that we leverage the best lawyers across the Mishkong group to give us that comfort that we can proceed with confidence, innovate with confidence without the legal and regulatory issues tripping us up at the last. And we're super, super lucky within Mishkondorea and Taylor Vinters that we have some really excellent Web3 specialist lawyers. Anne Rose, with whom I co-lead the blockchain group within Mishkondorea, is helping to, to write the law with the Law Commission on, on what crypto assets are from a property law perspective. We have Rebecca Belgrave doing some amazing work on the, the contentious litigation side. We've got a best-in-class law firm to draw on. And that, I think, sets us apart when it comes to, to building compliant by design. It's also something I've observed in terms of when businesses are executing their Web3 strategies, making sure that they also consider the transformation of those in-house functions. So whether it's procurement or legal, so that they understand these technologies. How much effort needs to be put into that versus the getting on with the the technology and trying something out? I think it's important to not make those competing. I think quite often we hear people say that innovation and compliance and organizational readiness are sort of a competing objective. I just don't think that's true, actually. I think equipping your organization and support functions, whether or not that's your procurement team or your HR people team or your legal team, to understand and engage with these technologies actually makes you go faster, allows you to run faster, go harder, do better when it comes to innovation. So I don't think they're necessarily competing. However, they are often overlooked. And so when we are doing strategies for particularly our larger clients with large in-house teams, we make sure that the training and the knowledge transfer takes place as well so that they can run at speed once they decide which way they want to run. Thanks, Tom. And hopefully people have heard this and they're feeling quite excited about Web3 now, all realizing that it's something that they definitely need to bake into their strategy going forward. What should their next step be? Get in touch. We're working with some of the world's most innovative organizations across both public and private sectors to create impactful strategies and then begin to pursue some really, really valuable and well thought through implementations. So please do get in touch. 
Well, it's been great talking to you and hopefully we're going to hear from some of our listeners soon as we work with them on their Web3 projects. I'd like to say thank you, Tom, for your time today. It's been great hearing more about Web3, not just what MDRX Tech is doing in this space, but also what the opportunity is for businesses across different sectors. I'm Sean Rodway and the Digital Sessions are a series of online events, videos and podcasts all available at mishcon.com. If you have any questions you'd like answers or suggestions of what you'd like us to cover, do let us know at digitalsessions at mishcon.com. The Mishcon Academy Digital Sessions. To access advice for businesses that is regularly updated, please visit mishcon.com.